2: It's Miller and Condon. We are on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. Toward the bottom of the hour, we will catch up with Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Working on David Kaplan, who is on vacation. Don't know where he is, but wherever he is, phones apparently don't work. His calls aren't going through. Nope. I texted him this morning, He said he was good to go, so hopefully he will uh, uh, call us and uh, we can have him on. Because I want to talk to him about a couple of things. As I mentioned earlier in the week, And here he is. How about that? What a guy. Um, Kevin Garnett's documentary on Showtime, Anything is Possible. I I watched it uh, two hours thereabouts. I I thought it was a really good watch. But Cappy's all over it from Garnett's time uh, in high school basketball in the city of Chicago. So I want to talk about that and uh, a number of other sports issues that are percolating, maybe with the Cubs and maybe with the White Sox and those red-hot Chicago Bills. He's on vacation. Let's not keep him waiting. Hello, Capper Trenton. Ken, how are you?
3: What's going on, boys? How we doing?
2: Good to talk to you, and thanks for doing this for us, Cap. Uh, I watched, I was, I saw a documentary on Showtime, and I was really excited to talk. Well, as I am every Wednesday, because you play a significant role in the Kevin Garnett "Anything Is Possible" uh, documentary that is out on Showtime. You've got hair in the clips that I saw. You're working for Sports <laughs> Channel. Uh, this is mid '90s uh, with the City Championship, Cap. I think, like a lot of athletes, he's misunderstood. Uh, he's a great player, but maybe misunderstood. We don't understand what makes a lot of them tick. Boy, this guy's built differently. Cap, you saw him very early. Uh, your early impressions of Kevin Garnett?
3: It's so funny, you know. I haven't seen the doc yet because I'm out of the country while I'm talking to you, and I can't stream. It won't let me stream it outside the United States. Now, I, you know, I did a lengthy. They were at my house for probably an hour and a half because you get to see me, as you said, with hair, yep. and you see me, I think I was in a yellow or a greenish golf shirt, mm-hmm. bald as a cue ball. <laughs> it's how much time has passed. And I, the first time I ever met Kevin, I was at home married to my first wife, and we had just had our son who was a month old, who special needs, and he did nothing at that point but cry. That's all he did, mm-hmm. cry and sleep. And a buddy of mine who was Kevin's, high school assistant basketball coach who's one of my dearest friends in my life to this day, he called and said, Hey man, are you going to be around for a while? We were playing in a summer league. This was like June 94. His Brett was born uh, May 11, 94. And he said, "Could we come by maybe and grab lunch at the house? And I know where they come from. I know the kids have no money. Absolutely. Come on by. Mm-hmm. So we make up sandwiches, And Brett is doing nothing but crying. And here, when I opened the door, there's my friend Ron. There's Ronnie Fields, who had been a camper of mine since he was in the seventh grade. And then there's this kid who's like 20 feet tall. I'm looking (laughs) at this guy like, that cannot be the kid I saw at the Nike camp a year ago. And it's Kevin Garnett. And I said, what are you doing here? Don't tell anybody I'm transferring to Chicago to Farragut to play with this guy. And so they stay at the house for two or three hours, and Brett is crying, and Kevin says, hey, man, let me hold the baby. And I'm like, "Nah, we're good. You, know, you don't understand the situation here. Give me the baby. And so I hand Brett over. He stops crying in four-tenths of a second and just stares looking at Kevin Garnett, who with one hand is eating a sandwich, and with the other hand is holding my one-month-old newborn son. Mm. And I... I didn't have an iPhone back then. I didn't take a picture. I do not have any picture, but I have it in my mind. And Kevin and I bonded over that memory and then me being on the Oprah show talking about him. And when you see that clip in the doc, I did not know Kevin was there. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. And they don't tell you in the doc. I walk into the green room. I'm there just ostensibly to talk about. Have I ever seen a player at a young age I think could be in the Hall of Fame? And I had told their producer, Kevin Garnett, I don't know he's there. Yeah. This other kid walks up who's 12 years old. What's your name? David Kaplan. Oh, my name's Usher. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. A little kid. <laughs> yeah. Then another guy walks in said, hi, I'm Richard. This is my daughter, Venus. There, She's like 10. Jeez. And then Katherine Heigl, the actress, walked yeah. in from uh, a bunch of different movies. And then uh, a supermodel who I can't remember her name. And yeah, that's where my relationship continued to grow with Kevin.
2: I thought Cap, your best line in the in the piece, and it's is again, it's such a really good um, a view into what makes this guy tick. Is when Jordan asked him to part. To, he went there as a fan, He's just going to watch practice or watch a pickup game. And Jordan and there and Pippen, and there's a bunch of you know the elites in the NBA, and they're playing, and they invite. Kevin Garnett to join them. He's a high school kid yep. at the time. He's going to Syracuse, hadn't had his mind made up. Isaiah Thomas is sitting in the corner of the room. And, a, you know, a week later, he's going to have this showcase in front of all these NBA people. And Pat Riley, yep. apparently, Pat Riley said, so What the hell are we doing wasting our time with this? And your response to. Pat Riley, as to how he's going to be, how his mind will change after he gets a load of Kevin Garnett is kind of, and you can, you, can, you know, I'm paraphrasing, but you guys have no idea what you're about to see is kind of what you said, and boy, were you right.
3: Well, so it's, so it's funny. I scouted for two years for the Sonics and then two years for the Pacers before I went full-time into the media, so the guy I worked for with the Sonics left. Seattle and wanted to take me with him to Atlanta. He's now deceased. His name was Gary Wortman. He was a wonderful man, the head of scouting. Well, I had become good friends with the late George Irvin, who'd been a head coach in the ABA and then in the NBA, and he was player personnel with the Pacers. He was a huge Dodgers fan. I'm a Cubs fan, so we would always rib each other about our teams, and I'd taken him to a Cubs game in the first row. Anyway, he says. Don't go to Atlanta. I don't know how long Gary's going to work. Work for me. So I go work for the Pacers. Well, Gary calls me. Hey, man, can you pick me up at the airport and let's go see DePaul play, whoever they were playing that night, and let's go to my favorite restaurant. He loved Carson's Ribs. And I pick him up at the airport. It's 2 o'clock in the afternoon, like on a Wednesday. And I said, we're not going to Carson's. Why? Because I'm taking you to see a kid play at 3.30 who the hell's playing at 3.30 on a Wednesday? I said, just trust me. He's like, if it's an effing high school kid, I'll kill you. I'm not looking at high school kids. And we got to the gym in the worst part of Chicago. We're walking in. He's like, this is just ridiculous. I wanted ribs and see DePaul tonight, and I could check it off my list. I said, Gary, you could take all the guys on DePaul and add them together. They aren't going to equal what you're going to see. What? We walk in, and there's nobody there except fans. Like, no NBA guys, no college coach, nobody. And we come in, and five minutes into the game, Ronnie Fields flips it off the board. Garnett grabs it, slams it home, windmill stops, looks at us in the crowd and goes, that's for you, Cap, <laughs> and keeps running up the court. Gary looked at me and goes, okay, we can leave. That kid is amazing. Who the hell is that? I have never heard of a high school kid that looks like that. And Doug Collins, who's still a dear friend, you can go back and look in the draft. I think Detroit had like three first-round picks. And I said, Doug, package every one of them up Mm -hmm. and move up as far as you have to. You've got to get that kid. I ain't taking a high school kid. Mm -hmm. You don't understand the NBA. You have no clue what you're talking about. He goes to the same workout Pat Riley's at, Avalon Park on the south side of the city, and Doug calls me after that workout. He's like, oh, my God. we will, He'll never be there when we pick. No No blank, Doug. What do you think I'm telling you? And he tried to trade for him and couldn't get it done. Hmm.
0: 1995 draft, he was picked fifth by fifth. the T-Wolves. Yep. Yet even with yep. that, there was so much blowback, and I'm sure for people like that, old scouts, old mm-hmm. coaches, no way a high school guy could do it. Take us what it was like inside Chicago, kind of the build-up, the lead-up for a guy that played his high school ball there and just is it going to work because – A lot of people thought, no way, it just can't happen in that era of the NBA.
3: So they were the Beatles. That team was the Beatles Mm -hmm. because on that very team, they had the late Michael Wright. Remember him? He played for Arizona and then played in the NBA, and I think he was with Brooklyn and was tragically murdered in New York. Uh, Ronnie Fields, who was top five player in the country, and Kevin Garnett. And the team that beat them in the state tournament in the quarterfinals at University of Illinois had Melvin Eli, Fresno State, played in the NBA. Napoleon Harris played for the Oakland Raiders and whoever else uh, went to Northwestern and also played basketball in the Big Ten. Antoine Randall L., who played for the Steelers and the Washington football team. Um, Eric Herring, who played in the NBA. They had four NBA guys on that team. And they beat Farragut in the state tournament. And it was just a huge upset. But when you look at the level of talent, it's two great teams. But they were the Beatles. I mean, we're talking about the roughest, roughest parts of Chicago. I mean, the roughest. And the street gangs, you had the the Disciples, you had the Vice Lords, they would put they'd have a truce so they could all watch go to the, the game, game to watch Kevin and Ronnie Fields play. Yeah. It was crazy, man.
2: It really was. And the gyms were full. It's a great documentary. Two enthusiastic thumbs up from uh, uh from me and uh if you have showtime uh um, carve out some time to watch it really good. Cap, let's do uh let's do the Cubs real quick and thank you for going down memory lane with us on that one. That was uh, f- fascinating stuff uh as always. Cap Seeger is 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 apparently a target of the Cubs. You've told us all, you know, since they since they had the house cleaning at the trade deadline that, you know, this is temporary, that they we believe they're going to spend money. They say they're going to spend money. Is Seeger a potential Chicago Cub? Who have they got their eyes on, Cap, what are you hearing?
3: I keep hearing yes, they like Corey Seeger. I don't see them in on Carlos Correa because I think he's looking For a ten year deal at somewhere around three hundred million or so, maybe more. I just don't see the Cubs going down that road. He's had an injury history. Great player. I just I'll be shocked if the Chicago Cubs give a ten year deal to anybody. I just don't see him doing it after getting burned on Soriano and then getting burned on the Jason Hayward contract. I just don't see them going that dollar that length. They'll pay the money. They just want to have a shorter term deal. I think they like Corey Seeger. He has had an injury history as well, but I think they feel like they could get him five years, four years, because they have Ed Howard, Reginald Preciado, Christian Hernandez, all in the minors, all are shortstops. All are projectable as major league caliber shortstops. I'm not telling you they're going to be Corey Seeger, but they're all really, really highly touted guys. So could I see them trying to pay a higher average annual value, AAV, to somebody, Marcus Simeon or um, Trevor Story, Mm -hmm. where we'll pay you your money, but in three years we think this 19-year-old Ed Howard is our future, or you sign a guy like Seager who you could then slide over to third base. So that's where I think their mindset is. We'll pay, we just don't want to pay eight-, nine-, ten-year contract.
0: And Jed Hoyer said, uh, quote, not hindering ourselves going forward, unquote. That's something that I think certainly plays out to exactly what you're saying there, Cappy. With that, they still have a lot of holes here. It is Would you anticipate a couple of high-end guys or more likely this thing spread out? And how much financial flexibility do you think this team's going to have? How how willing are they to spend this offseason?
3: Oh, I think they're very willing to spend, but I think you're going to see... You know, like they got the Wade Miley deal done. That, again, we, we all wish we could sign a one-year deal for $10 million and then never be heard from again. But they look at the big expenditures. They're going to wait, I think, until the CBA is worked out. I think as of December 2nd, late that day, the CBA will expire. There will be a lockout. And fans will be like, what do you mean there's a lock?" until it affects spring training and until it affects the regular season, it's really not a big deal. It's procedural more than a big deal. So I think you're not going to see the major deals, Correa and Seeger and Stroman and Robbie Ray and guys like that. I don't think those guys, unless somebody blows them away, I don't think those guys are going to sign deals because no one knows what rules the game's going to be operating under. That's the big mm-hmm. question
2: Cap the Bears go into their bye week three and six. Not sure if they're a together team or not, but they're three and six, uh, which used to matter. What, um, is, is that? Where you thought that this team would be, Cap? I, I mean, to me, it's all about Fields getting better this year, right? Seeing him take steps. There was going to be a probably you know a slim chance they were going to make the playoffs with Andy Dalton or with whoever under quarterback, uh, under center rather. But three and six into the bye week. Uh, what's the what? How is your audience uh, looking at this first nine games?
3: They all they care about is Justin Fields plays well, and Matt Nagy doesn't return as the head coach. Yeah, right. He can throw in Ryan Pace on top of it. I'm speaking as for fans, yeah, they would like change there as well. I will be surprised if Ryan's out. I will. What I think could happen is Justin continues to play really well the rest of the season. They win a few ball games. They'll upset somebody where you go. Whoa! I didn't see that coming. Could that be Baltimore on Sunday? Maybe. They'll beat somebody Arizona in Chicago in December when it's cold. Maybe because mm-hmm. Kyler Murray has been banged up. Maybe that one happens. I don't see them going, you know, seven and one, the last eight, six and two and sneaking into the playoffs. That will shock me. They needed to beat the Steelers. They needed to beat the 49ers. Those were two that they had to get both of those for me to realistically think it's a playoff team. Uh, but in the end, I think you will see a coaching change. Matt's a really good guy. It just hasn't worked, and he's had an opportunity. He's had his chances. It hasn't worked for whatever reason. Our offense has been lousy. You can blame it on Mitchell Trubisky. You can blame it on this guy or that guy. In the end, he's the head coach. It falls at his feet. He wanted Nick Foles. Got you. You want Andy Dalton? Got you. You want to go get Justin Fields? We got you. You want to go spend money on this guy or that guy? We'll take care of you. You want Khalil Mack? Done. It hasn't worked, so at some point, we're all big boys here. He'll make plenty of money. There'll be no tag days for Matt Nagy, but I do think there'll be a new head coach.
2: Is the water warm?
3: The water is amazing. It's 85 and sunny.
2: Beautiful. nice. I can hear you splashing around with your feet. You must be sitting on the poolside, are you?
3: I am actually in the pool. And <laughs> nice, <I'm talking>.
2: nice. <laughs> Cap, great stuff, my friend. Listen, uh, thank you for doing this, taking a few minutes of your hard-earned uh, vacation. Will you be back for the uh, Bears post-game show on NBC Sports Chicago?
3: On Sunday. I get back Saturday evening, and I'll be right back at it on Sunday. So I'm looking forward to it. And then at Missouri Valley basketball starting, I think I'm at Loyola on December 1st. So yep. We're ready to rock and roll.
2: How about the news Loyola's leaving the valley?
3: How about that and going Jeez. to the Atlantic 10, the other league? Yeah, <laughs> you
2: cover. Right. Right.
3: I love that I you know, all my travel is you're flying to Duquesne or to Fordham or to BCU or Richmond. Yeah. Hey, you're going to do a game at Loyola. That'd be amazing.
2: Nice stuff. Cap, thank you, buddy. Have a great week.
3: You too. All Good. the best. Yep. You guys.
2: Good to talk to you. David Kaplan. Uh, Centurion Stone of Iowa sponsors our friend David Kaplan. Uh, they've got Iowa's best selection of stone veneer. And if you're in the market for manufactured or natural stone to accent or update your exterior or your interior project, any size, check them out online, CenturionStoneOfIowa.com. Check out the showroom, 5525 Northeast 22nd Street in Des Moines. Joe Farron, Justin Luch, the entire team at Centurion Stone of Iowa makes it possible for us to speak with our friend David. David Kaplan, each and every week, good stuff out of Cappy. Let's try and give somebody a thousand dollars, shall we? Time get, for one. Get a the- nice
0: vacation with
2: Cappy with that kind of money. Yeah. Did you hear the water in the oh, background yes. just splashing around? I thought he was kicking his feet, <laughs> sitting poolside talking. No, nah, just hanging out in the pool. Nice for him. Yes. Nice for you've got to see that documentary on KG. Yeah, it's absolutely. Really good.
0: I, you know, I'm a big Kevin Garnett uh-huh. fan too, so it is
2: on the list, no oh, doubt. Oh, it's really, really good. Uh, and, and Cappy's right. These guys were rock stars. Rock stars. You should you, as the games, as the season went on, the building, I mean, they were turning people away. And the right. gyms got bigger. And they won the Chicago City Championship, which I guess is a big deal. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and Almost more so than winning state. Um, and they got knocked out in the quarterfinals. Anyway, good watch. Uh, time for another $1,000 handoff. Text the keyword. Bills to 200, 200 right now. It's your chance to win $1,000. Bills to 200, 200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rates apply in this nationwide contest. Mitch Holtis is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, also kind of the voice of the Valley. He's one of them, yes. Absolutely. We'll have to talk to him about that news, disappointing news from a Valley perspective on Loyola. It's Miller and Condon. We're on Des Moines Sports Station 106.3. The Path Forward.
0: Joined by Doctor Ethan Heisman from Elite Eye Care, University Avenue in West Des Moines. I suffer from dry eyes. It's not just eye drops. There's other treatments that are out there.
3: We have one of the newest treatments available in our office. It's called intense pulsed light, or IPL. It targets the abnormal blood vessels that are the root cause of the inflammation causing dry eye. The side benefit is you don't see those blood vessels anymore.
0: That's Elite Eye Care, 9250 University Avenue in West Des Moines, and a new location, the Eye. Co- Radio. Family-owned since 1970, Kemker's True Value and Rental helps you buy what you want and rent what you need. Get to work on that to-do list with help from Kemker's True Value and Rental. Kempker's has all your hardware needs, plus their rental catalog is perfect for do-it-yourselfers. With two Central Iowa locations to better serve you in Grimes and Huxley, make it Kemker's True Value and Rental. Find out what they can do for you at Kempker'sTrueValue.com. That's Kempker's True Value... Trent Condon here to tell Rent Estate, the new revenue rocket ship. Putting your home up for rent, not for sale. But why would you do that in a seller's market? Just do the math. Selling a home will catch you some cash once, while renting a home keeps that cash coming month after month after month. And because there are always renters, but not always buyers, Rent Estate is foolproof, recession-proof, and retirement plan positive. What's not to love? The hassles of being a landlord for one monthly flat rate renter's warehouse will take away the tedious tasks tend to your tenants answer the 3 a.m calls market your property and collect the rent make the savvy long game paradigm shift and choose rent estate with renter's warehouse get your free rental price analysis today go to RentersWarehouse.com or call 515-528-4429 515-528-4429 Because you can't buy happiness, but you can rent it. Do you remember the last walk-off Homer to win the World Series? It's been a while, but the answer is 1993. Do you know when Wolf Roofing started roofing houses? That's right, 1993. Wolf Roofing has been around for a long time. For your next roofing project, put the experience of Wolf Roofing on your side. Find them on the web at wolfroofing.net or give them a call at 515-225-8866. Or online, Wolf Performance for Men.
1: Now back to Miller and Condon on 1460 KXNO and 106.3 FM. Here's Ken
2: and Trent. All right, welcome back. If you missed it a few minutes ago, keyword for the 11 o'clock hour Bills, Bills to 200, 200. Mitch Holtis is the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs, Cowboys this week, and then the long overdue bye week for the Chiefs and the voice of the Chiefs, who look like the Chiefs again. At least they did against the Raiders. I was thoroughly impressed, and he joins us. Hello, Mitch, Trent, and Ken. Are they back?
1: I'm, well, I'm like a squirrel gathering nuts for the winter. I'm I'm gathering Papa John's pizzas for the bye week. I think I'm going <laughs> to just binge and uh, like binge watch something and then just chill out. But uh, honestly, uh, to, to answer if they're back or not, uh, you know, I was cautioning everybody, don't run back into the burning house right. or jump off the cliff when they're three and four. I'm also going to say don't start the snow cone machine okay. uh, after three straight wins. But... Where they are back is in first place of the AFC West. Mm-hmm. I mean, you go from worst to first in the division in a matter of eleven hours. That doesn't happen every day, but for the Broncos to lose and the Chargers to lose and the Raiders to lose to your team, and then your team uh, gets up to six and four, and all of a sudden everything's in front of you again. It's just that the script isn't following like everybody thought it would in in July, but that's fine. I mean, this team has shown that now they're putting together countermeasures. On offense, they're gaining some uh, confidence on defense, and special teams are having an effect now by the week. So are they back? I don't know. This is a huge game this week, but they're at least back on top. and Everything's in front of them.
0: Trending in a positive direction, and with that, certainly the defense. What have you seen out of that team defensively making the strides that they have here over the last month or so?
1: Well, the conversation has to start with getting guys back from injury. They never had everybody together from week one. Uh, I can walk through every week and say, well, they're missing this guy, this guy, this guy, this guy, and even the guys that were playing among the prominent players were all dealing with some nagging injury. For example, you know, EG, uh, Chris Jones and his wrist. Well, they're starting to get healthy, and honestly, the addition of Melvin Ingram has been a big deal. I mean, his play the other night where oh. he just takes the lineman and like hits him in the clavicle and then takes the, it was look like the, you know, the mean machine on the longest yard. Uh, but his effect, and with Frank Clark making a weekly impact and Chris wow. Jones looking like he's back, has actually helped the complementary players, the Turk Mortons and Mike Danis of the world, not have to be, be do more than they're asked to do. And when they're asked to do stuff like Derek Nottie, they do good things. The young linebackers, Willie Gay Jr., Nick Bolton, have shown that they're talented and can make plays. Nick by far leads all the rookies and tackles in the league. Um, he's 20 more than Micah Parsons which gives you an idea of the great linebacker for the Cowboys. And then the DBs are playing with confidence, especially the corners, which is why everybody wanted to discount the Packer game with no Jordan Love, but the corners were winning one-on-one battles on fades against Devontae Adams. And so the confidence has just surged uh, from this defense, and it's not just one group. It's front to back on all three levels.
2: Yeah, the sound of the collision with Melvin Ingram hitting that dude in the hole. Mm-hmm. That was uh, that was football. You know who else I really caught my eye, and it's hard to not on a weekly basis, but I thought Kelsey might have had his best game of the year, Mitch. I'm guessing statistically it was. I mean, I don't have it at the tip mm-hmm. of my fingers, but my God, he had an impact in that football game.
1: Well, and sneaky Andy Reid, there were countermeasures that the Chiefs have not shown to this basic defense that they're facing every week which is the shell two deep safety shell. And then they would give attention to Kelsey, maybe bang him off the line of scrimmage or hold him or put double coverage on him. Like we're going to take Kelsey out. So there were twice, I think once by mistake and twice by design where Kelsey stays in to help block on Max Crosby, but then he releases like a running back would do if the running backs chipping or in main protection. So because of that, the, the player on defense can't just stand there and go, well, I'm going to wait for Kelsey to see what he does, because that takes that person out of the play, basically, or out of coverage. And Kelsey would wait, wait, block, block, release, and basically run a running back circle route or an arrow route and then get 20 yards, because he's get, he's great after the catch. He's the best in the league right now in yards after catch. And all of a sudden he takes off, and now you have a 20-plus yard gain out of about a five-yard pass. Well, that's a great countermeasure to these defenses the Chiefs are playing on Mahomes. If you just let them do that all day, you're going to have the fate of the Raiders. So it's a great way of Kelsey, and by Andy Reid's design, of an excellent countermeasure to, uh, and the Chiefs hadn't shown that all year, Mm -hmm. that. you know doom the Raiders in that game and gives caution to any defense playing him from the weeks on
2: speaking of having shown uh, this, this the Raiders this or anybody Tommy Townsend he's got an arm on him Mitch I was kind of surprised yeah, he, that they uh, <laughs> let that one out of the bag uh when when they did maybe like to save that one but um look it was clearly successful and if nothing else you know that seed is planted but my god he can sling it
1: and you know the AFC West well enough. You don't save anything for a division opponent. Oh, yeah. You bring it. And you bring it full throttle, and you bring it with both barrels, and that's what the Tommy Townsend fake punt was. Tommy Townsend's an athlete. That's what is underrated here. I mean, people see him as Samson with a full head of hair, uh, <laughs> but honestly, he can throw, he can run, uh, and now he does become a weapon back there. But what they have done by showing that is you now slow down um, – people either on pass or a punt rush or they're they've got to pay a little bit of attention the gunners aren't quite as uh, juicy on the outside so what you do is potentially set up a punt return because of it because now all of a sudden if I'm on punt coverage I'm thinking or you know I I, I just have got I've got stuff to think about here uh, and my punt return kind of slows down if I'm thinking I've got to protect against a fake punt And they're a fake punt weapon every time. And honestly, then, it it affects the opposing team in what they want to do punt return-wise.
0: Big national game this week. The Cowboys come to town. Of course, the origins of Kansas City football started back in Dallas way back in the day with the Texans as they morphed into the Kansas City Chiefs. What's the buildup like? 325, national window. Of course, primetime games are, are their own entity here, but got to be a big one, and it's that's America's team coming to town. Got to be a fun week in Kansas City this week.
1: Well, well, you guys nailed it, and you nailed it, and you nailed the undercurrent story that is underrated in this battle. When an AFC and NFC team crossover in scheduling, you don't think of rivalries generally. Mm -hmm. I mean, maybe geographically if you have the Jets against the Giants Mm -hmm. or, let's say, Washington football team against the Ravens. But you don't think of it in terms of this game unless you study the history. The Kansas City Chiefs would probably not be in (laughs) existence had it not been for the Dallas Cowboys. I mean, the NFL wanted to take Lamar Hunt out of business in 1960, and Lamar Hunt had the Dallas Texans. And the, so you could say the Cowboys wouldn't be there if it weren't for the Dallas Texans. They put the Cowboys right on top of Lamar. They're trying to bankrupt him and get him out of business. And so at, at the end of the 1962 season, after the Texans of Dallas and the AFL won the AFL title, Lamar realizes because they were averaging about 11,000 fans and the Cowboys were averaging about 9,000 fans. And somebody's got to go. And that's when he left Dallas uh, and brought the team to Kansas City. Well, that doesn't go away, ever, okay, <laughs> ever. And even though it's almost, we're into a seventh decade, I do a minute with Mitch on it this week, actually. They have a trophy, the Preston Road Trophy, and everybody kind of ha-ha, tongue-in-cheek, ugliest trophy in sports. But I'm telling you, when you peel off the ha-ha of it, it's very serious. And this is a more of a rivalry than people realize.
2: Uh, Mitch, last thing for you, away from football, your love for the Missouri Valley Conference and Loyola. Uh, has certainly been a tremendous addition. They brought a lot of money to the conference with the run that they've gone, runs they've gone on the tournament. I think this, maybe it didn't, it certainly caught me off guard that they were looking around, and not only looking around, it's set in stone, they are leaving to go to the Atlantic 10. Uh, that's a blow to the Valley, Mitch. I know that they've you know done some good things by bringing in some schools prior to this announcement, but losing Loyola, tough to spin it, is a positive.
1: It is, and I won't. I won't try to spin it. Uh, anyway, this is a this is a blow, and as much of a blow uh, of losing Creighton and Wichita State, yeah. uh, and and really, I'm surprised that the Atlantic 10 is the spot that they would go. I thought they would be a Big East uh, mm-hmm. destination, although DePaul would probably not like that, and DePaul was going to get in the way. Although Loyola is a proud Jesuit institution, but everybody thought the Valley was going to die with the loss of Wichita State and Creighton. And it was Loyola that picked up the flag mm-hmm. to make runs to go to the final four and become basically the darling team of the so-called non-power, or non, you know, power five or group of six or whatever football designation we give to basketball teams. Uh, really represented all of that. And now to have them lead the league, I just, it, to go to the A-10 just seems a little peculiar to me. Now, it gives St. Louis U a Jesuit school, uh, partner, basically, because St. Louis U is the elbow of the league, and that's where Loyola is. I mean, this league is, the Atlantic 10 is a, a northeast league primarily, uh, and then you throw in Dayton and some schools and the, some of the, but the eastern portion of the Midwest, but you got to go stick out their ways to get to St. Louis and not of Loyola. I was surprised that this was the place they landed, but yes, it is a blow to the valley. Now, the valley has tried to fill in Belmont um is coming in. Mm-hmm. Uh, can Belmont be a Loyola? They've been proven to be a really good team, but they have not made the run in the NCAA tournament that a Loyola has had. So I'm not sure where the Valley is again. Here they are again. They take these body blows and seem to recover. But this one this one hurts. This is, uh, this is knocking them to the canvas um, and not getting a standing eight count, but it's a knockdown nonetheless.
2: Let's pick up their spirits and talk about a little Papa John's. Uh, the Biggest epic game stuff, crust
1: pizza, again. yes, yes, baconator baby, it's oh, baconator. This yeah. is November. I know you're gonna have turkey for Thanksgiving, but you're gonna have bacon this Sunday. Um, I mentioned Sunday night football is huge for Papa Johns in Iowa and, and the Donaldsons, and so is a Saturday afternoon national game like this. Basically, second half, get your order in early, but check out this baconator special. It'll change your life. Uh, but you can order online. Uh, Make sure they get it to you by halftime and you can enjoy the second half of the Cowboys and Chiefs. But uh, once again, these these game days have been big uh, for Papa John's in Des Moines and and throughout the environs of Iowa with our group, the Donaldsons, who we love so much.
2: Sounds like a plan. We will talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a nice bye week. Happy Thanksgiving, Mitch Holtis. Thank you.
1: Yes. Yes, sir. Thank you.
2: Good to talk to you. Mitch Holtis, the voice of the Kansas City Chiefs. Tough news for the Valley. It is tough news for the Valley. So
0: Murray State will be almost positively welcomed in. Mm-hmm. UT Arlington and UMKC is the other. They need to improve facilities. Mm-hmm. That's why they haven't got the green light yet. They uh, want to see the plan, the commissioners and everybody else involved in the process for the MVC. And a few other names. You know, I continually ponder. Raiding right the Summit League, one of them? Well, then that's, yeah. Northern Kentucky has been bandied about okay. You know, going that route. The Dakota schools. That's right, yeah. And specifically, South Dakota State.
2: Yeah.
0: Of that group, makes the most sense as it pertains to the rest of it. Missouri State, there's talk of them perhaps leaving also. Is there? Yeah. Oof. That they might be looking for a football home to make a jump up, be it the Sun Belt or even the MAC, something in that direction, mm-hmm. and uh, moving up to the FCA, FBS level from the FCS level. But, you know, with all these moving parts, why? I know it's, it's South Dakota, right? But the money inside that place is incredible. They have big time money with the Sanford people and what they can invest and how they've improved their facilities. That's one that it never gets any play or any conversation. And I wonder why in another one, St. Thomas up in St. Paul, just became the only second Minnesota school that's at the D one level now. Now they've already made it. And a big they're jump in the up. summit now, right? They they will eventually, yeah. Okay. That's that's their landing spot. Again, looking for big markets, looking for long term range. And that was the play with Loyola, cause that program stunk mm-hmm. before they got to the MVC. But was looking at that big picture. Same thing here. What about Fargo? Too far? Is it? Yeah, I think. I mean, that's that's a haul. No, I know. Because what's the closest place is you and I. Uh huh.
2: What's it up there from Cedar Falls? Well it's ten I don't hours. Know. I don't know. It's I think four is more better than four hours to Minneapolis. Now from...
0: imagine going from Carbondale for a soccer match. Yeah.
2: To Fargo. It's a tough
0: it's a tough haul. You'd have to have, yeah, a partner there with South Dakota State, something along those lines, I think, to make that work.
2: Trent's play of the day circus sports sponsors it. It's coming up next. Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station, 106.2020 expenditure.
3: Get in on the action with the world's largest sports book
0: The Chicken Coop is the place for great food and wings with three metro locations. The Chicken Coop has the best fresh, never frozen wings, buffalo, garlic jalapeno, buck nasty, tropical heat, pepper teriyaki, garlic parmesan, and so much more. Along with steaks, burgers, ribs, and a children's menu for the little ones. And don't forget about the Chicken Coop's daily lunch and drink specials. Catch all the games at the Chicken Coop in Ankeny, Urbandale, and West Des Moines.
1: It's time for Trent's Pick of the Day. Brought to you by Circus Sports Iowa. Here's Ken and Trent.
2: All right, welcome back. Miller and Condon, Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO, the penultimate night of Maction. Tuesday next week, and then it all comes to an end. But two pretty good ones tonight. Are you playing there? No, I haven't even. College basketball, yes. NBA, going to take a stab at the pucks.
0: Help me out here, because I know I'm missing somebody, and I know I'm going to be on the public side if I do bet this. Arkansas, good uh-huh. team, right yeah. in the top 25. Musselman's done a great job, uh-huh. and he's always got dudes. Takes on the disappointing and I Panthers. Oh, Hang on a second. They beat Dubuque. <laughs> they did beat Dubuque. Got that win against the D3 school. The number? Take a stab.
2: Well, it's got to be double digits. It is. Um, 18. 12 and a half. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that seems... Bowenborn's back, but still. 12 and a half? That's, yeah, I,
0: I think I lay it. I'm going to be on the public side there. I got another one for you. We got alphabet soup here. Ooey Okay. IUPUI, is awful. Good program. They've been to the tournament plenty of times. They are terrible this year. They go to UTSA, not the football team. That's a lot of alphabets. Basketball team. 430 tip-off for this one. I'm going to lay the points today with UTSA. But Ooey Pooey, they are
2: rough this no season. No football. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Because, I mean, they're essentially both pick'ems. I think the numbers are very tight. Oh, are they really? Yeah, like one or two, maybe pickle.
0: All right. Well, Eastern Michigan, of course, was an automatic play last night. Yep. I lost the other one that I played. I grabbed the points with Bowling Green. So we went one and one on that one. Yeah. And I use favorite right now by one at Circa, Michigan State by two and a half at Ball State. Those are the numbers for Wednesday Central Michigan match. against Ball State. What
2: did I say? Michigan State. Oh. <laughs> Not the Spartans. They got a pretty big one. They do have a pretty big one. I was going to say, is this a tune up for Saturday? Uh, We're out of time. Murph and Andy are in in an hour and five minutes. The Fanatics at 3 Hawk Central Radio tonight at 6 for Miller and Condon, weekdays 10 to noon. On Des Moines Sports Station, 106.3 KXNO.